Yo, it's finally game week, and the Miami Hurricanes have added a new running back in the portal. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. It is game week, finally. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So the breaking news this morning, Monday morning, the Miami Hurricanes have gone to the transfer portal to add experience and depth at running back. Because Trevante Citizen is going to miss the season. Mario Cristobal said so uh, on the Joe Rose show on Monday morning. And we know that Don Chaney is going to miss some time. I think Chaney is going to be back at some point, hopefully in time for ACC play. Because he had Instagrammed a few days ago that he's going to be out a month. So I don't know if that's official timing or just a rough estimate. But in the meantime... The Hurricanes have brought in another one from UAB. Remember Antonio Moultrie, uh, defensive line transfer from UAB. Now they bring in former UAB running back Lucius Stanley. He's a redshirt senior transfer, so a lot of experience. He's going to take a walk-on spot. Don't expect this guy to be taking like a starting job away from Parrish or Knighton or anything like that, but I think he's going to play a lot of special teams. I think he'll get some burn in the backfield early on in the season. In 2021, he ran 38 times for 213 yards and a touchdown, averaging 5.6 uh, yards per carry last year, if I can speak correctly. And back in 2020, uh, he played in eight of his team's nine games, had 20 rushes for 118 yards and two touchdowns, three catches for 37 yards. And the news on this transfer, Lucia Stanley from UAB, I believe was first broken by canesport.com. So credit to Gary Furman and Matt Shodell for being ahead of the curve on that one. And guys, we have a lot to talk about from the backfield onward. That's why we bring in a good friend of the show and a great friend to the Canes community. He is a former Miami Hurricanes punter. He was at the U the same time I was at the U. I think we've both aged very gracefully since we were true freshman back in uh, in 2003. Brian Monroe is with us. Brian, how you doing, sir? Good, man. I like to think I age a little bit well, you know. I don't maybe maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I like to think so. Yeah, you you're looking great, you're doing great, and you're around the team a lot. Let's start, Brian, in the backfield. Um, you know, before we get to who's in and who's out, what do you make of of this transfer? I think people had suspected in recent weeks after the citizen injury that Miami might look to bring somebody through the portal. How much do you think a guy like Lucius Stanley from UAB can help this team? Well, I mean, it's depth, right? It's all about a depth thing. You know, we saw last year when all the running backs went down and all you had was Rooster left, we ran him into the ground. You know, one thing about Rooster makes him different is his speed. And if he's got to be an every down back, then he's not fresh. So to have that rotation of guys that you trust guys that can pick up the blitz, guys you can hold accountable. You know, now look at the move of bringing in Parrish uh, at the beginning. It's so much uh, bigger now because now you're going to have, like, seems like to me a one-two punch for Parrish and Rooster. Dad's going to be that change pace back. And then you got this new guy where you're really looking for depth. You're really looking for competition. And, like, in, you know, the first two games, you would really love to see that he gets more burn to learn the offense, get comfortable, get to know his teammates, and keep out a guy like Rooster and perish and fresh but uh, i think you nailed in an opening you know i don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to come and take a position you might see him on you know uh obviously um special teams like you mentioned 
But again, it's just a guy to say we have depth. We have a guy that is older. That's a bigger body that understands it, you know, and he's going to be able to, you know, pick up the playbook, get a little bit of burn. And, and if they need a breather, go in for one or two plays. Brian Monroe is with us here. So happy he can join us on Locked on Canes as we're counting down till the Bethune-Cookman game, September 3rd. We're five days away from seeing the Canes run through that smoke. Let's stay with the running backs, Brian, because, you know, you and I, you, we had a conversation way back during spring football, and you were really, and I'm sure you still are, singing the praises of Henry Parrish, the transfer running back from Ole Miss, who's a really well-rounded back. Uh, he also has a, a relationship with Miami's running backs coach, Kevin Smith, who was his position coach at Ole Miss. And it sounds like it's been a good competition. Like in fall camp, it's been a very good competition between Rooster and with Henry Parrish. I think Rooster maybe has been slightly better, but I'm expecting when the depth chart comes out to be one of those ors where yes. it says like Jalen Knighton or Henry Parrish at starting running back. So how do you think the carries are going to split up uh, between them and with Franklin? So I think those are going to be two, your two guys that are going to rotate heavily. I think, you know, you can see them both in the backfield, the 22 personnel together. Um, I think they're both special because they can both catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, obviously, we talked about Rooster. His nickname's Rooster for a reason. I mean, he's got, you know, stupid speed. That's one thing that makes it different. You just want to figure out. Gattis just needs to figure out ways to get the ball in his hand in open space. We saw a North Carolina game where they had the dump off and he made the one guy miss, shook him, took it, I don't know, 70-something yards. We saw fourth and one against Louisville. Coe's outside, takes it over the top, gone. So I think Gaddis is going to have fun, um, you know, with those two guys, with the heavy rotation as far as um, Parrish and Rooster. I think that is going to be more of that change of pace guy that want to come in there and have that thumper, that bigger back. Um, can we actually see that we have a push and we can get the third and short and the fourth and short that we haven't gotten in so many years um, here? And then – a wild card guy that I like. Uh, I've been preaching his name since he's been on campus, and I think you can see him in the backfield because he played Wildcat in high school, and that's Prashard Smith. Yes. I think he can do. I think he can do so much. You know, he's a shorter, stockier guy. Um, you saw again last year with him when we put him in twenty-two personnel, got him out the backfield. Same thing over the top. So I think that we have a lot of weapons. It definitely does hurt losing Cheney, especially because he was that guy before his injury that was a back that could run you over and run away from you, something that we really didn't have on the roster at the time. And then Citizen, it just looked good from Citizen as far as he looked the part as a freshman. He already looked like a – I mean, he looked like a, a rookie uh, NFL running back when I saw him. And then talking to the coaches, they just said he was going to be special. So it hurts the death because you would love to just see what he can do in little spurts as a freshman. Um, but we definitely need training to get back because I think – Having two running backs the whole year is not going to work. So um, something I needed to ask Brian about this. Now, this is he's a former UM football player, but he's stayed around. He's lived in the area and he takes advantage of the access that former players get. Because like if there's something happening and it, even if it's something that the media is not allowed to watch, I figure my guy Monroe has probably been out there watching some of these extra practices and you know you played uh, under Larry Coker and you followed the program very closely all the coaches that have come after that from you know Randy Shannon to Al Golden to you know Mark Richt and Manny Diaz and, and now you're covering Cristobal and Cristobal uh, was he still on the staff when you played yeah. at Miami there was a little overlap there right yeah, yeah. Oh, coach. 
Yeah, that's right. So, so you you even played on the team when Cristobal yeah. was there in a uh, in a previous role. So, no, was there for no, two years. Awesome. So, okay, can you tell me, observing practices now in this new era as opposed to recent eras, what are some of the things that make Mario Cristobal different from some of the recent coaches Miami's had? Well, I think the biggest thing is that he's going to be very hands-on with the offensive line, right? That's his baby, you know? So anytime you look over nine times out of ten, he's with the offensive line and defensive line um, and really teaching and coaching those guys. And obviously, we've had coaches that have been hands-on with, you know, Manny Diaz has been the defense coordinator before that, so he's with the defense, uh, Coach Rick and the quarterbacks. But I think the biggest thing that you're going to see from uh, Mario is going to be that hands-on with the offensive line, which we need here because we haven't had great offensive line plays since probably 2013 team um, with all those guys making the NFL. Um, and then accountability. Um, I think with the most recent years, we didn't have accountability when it came to the small things, right? I think guys got comfortable um, and just walked around like, oh, cool, I jumped off sides, no big deal, I'm not going to sit. Oh, I did this, no big deal, I'm not going to I'm gonna play because I'm a senior. I think that's going to be gone. One thing Crystal Ball is going to do is going to hold you accountable. I love seeing it when he was at Oregon. And, they, and it was, they made it a big thing, and I don't see why it's a big thing. Um, when the young man, I think, got the 15-yard penalty for doing a boneheaded mistake, Cristobal was just chewing him out. And I mean, in his face, chewing him out. And I think pundits made a big deal about it, saying, oh, that's too much. And it's not, because one thing that young man's never going to do is forget that play right there and that coaching. But also, if you watched his face, it never left Coach Cristobal's like eyesight. He looked Coach Cristobal in the eyes and said, "Yes, Coach. Yes, Coach. Yes, Coach." And then a couple of minutes later, you saw Cristobal come over, put his arm around him, and love him up. Like that's what we need here. We need that tough love, that f you attitude to say like, "This is this ain't fun. Like practice is not gonna be fun. You gotta grind. You gotta be 120 miles an hour." So when we get to that game, it's easy. I mean, I think all the former players, that's what we're excited about. When you go to practice, you just see Coach Cristobal coaching them up, sprinting in and out of every single drill. I've seen guys throwing up, loved it. I mean, that's that's what you, <laughs> want. That's what you want to see because we want to see a different team take the field. You don't want to see in the most recent years where you're like, all right, why are we starting off slow? How come off bye weeks we're always terrible? How come when we have extra time we're not you know, ready? How can we look lackadaisical? How come every guy's not flying around defense? I think those are the type of things that Chris Ball is going to change instantly is attitude, toughness, accountability, flying around. You guys want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes because when we come back, I've got to ask Brian objectives for a game like Bethune-Cookman and what you can learn about Miami in a game like this because, listen, there are some years uh, where Miami has had showcase openers right last year they opened against Alabama in recent years they had an opener against Florida they had an opener against LSU sometimes you play the marquee games other times you play what's essentially a preseason game like Bethune Cookman coming up to start the season so uh, I'd love to ask Brian who's been on both ends of that when he played at Miami I'm sure you had some like fam you type of openers and a couple of years you guys opened against Florida State when you played there so we're going to talk about that right after we talk about the importance of driving sober, my friends. Are you one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stoned? Well, what's the worst that can happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. 
The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only do you put yourself in danger, but everyone around you as well. Talk about a buzzkill. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, just don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. Available free wherever you get your podcasts, my friends. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. Available free on YouTube as well. We're trying to get to 5,000 YouTube subscribers by the Texas A&M game. So help us get there. Spread the word. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up button on all these videos. And it's great to be able to pick the brain of someone like Brian Monroe, who played at Miami from 03 to 07 and kept very close tabs on the program ever since then. So, okay, Brian, you've, you've been through some of these openers in your day where, you know, you go up against, uh, I think you guys had some fam you type of openers. This is Bethune Cookman. What do you think are Miami's big object objectives for this game? And what can we learn about how good these canes are going up against opposition like this? Yeah, actually, my first game was Louisiana Tech at Louisiana Tech my freshman year. So, I mean, I guess that's they're a little bit better. But, yeah, it's, you know, that kind of game. But, um, yeah. honestly, the one thing I do want to see is I want to see the O-line push, right? I think we just talked about it. Offensive line's been an issue with us for years. Uh, defensive line, too, consistently. Like, we get a guy here and there. You get a Jalen Phillips. You get a Russo. But being that consistent depth, having that elite depth, I think we have lacked in years or slacked in years. Um, so I would love to see, you know, disruptive play from the defensive line in the backfield, 10 sacks, 12 sacks, whatever we got to do, run it up. And then I want to see the offensive line get that great push. I mean, you know, you know, you're playing a game where they should not be in the game with you. You should be able to run vanilla offensive playbook and just move them out of the way. You know where, what we're going to run. You just can't stop us. I think from a, fran a fan's perspective, it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be vanilla. It's going to be a couple plays here and there. But you want to see us instill our will on a Bethune-Cookman. I want to see the offensive line open up huge holes for the running backs. I want to see the receivers catch the ball and have some accountability because we've heard about the receivers and their drops. And I saw it in practice as well. I want to see the guys execute their playbook understand their defense, understand their assignments, and just make it a fun game. I would love to see our starters out at halftime. Get them out. Yeah. Get healthy. Get the young guys in there. Get the freshmen in there that everyone's been, you know, hearing all these news and buzz about to see what they can do um, and just make it a fun day. Let's talk about Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, now, you hit on one thing there. Receivers have got to consistently catch the football. It's, it's been an issue going back to spring. It's been a bit of an issue in the fall as well. Uh, it sounds to me like Xavier Restrepo has been the most consistent guy. Uh, Mario Cristobal has also sung the praises of Rashard Smith, who I know you're very, very high on. I think everyone else needs to show a little bit more consistency. But uh, as far as Tyler Van Dyke's development, Brian, uh, tell me if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too much, because I think he's going to be <laughs> a top five quarterback in the country. I mean, he's really got everything when it comes to the arm strength, the mechanics, processes the game very, very quickly. He's learning a new offense, but it seems like he's soaked this up like a sponge. Like he, It seemed like the offense was fully installed in his brain by the time spring football was over. So I'm very high on Van Dyke. What do you think are some of the areas he's improving on heading into his sophomore season? And you know how much might potential drops derail how much love he gets this year? Well, I mean, I think you, you, you're right. He should be a top five quarterback in the country. There's no reason why he shouldn't. He has all the tools in the world. He's a big kid. 
He can run. He can get out of the pocket. He can move in and out of the pocket. He can make every throw on the field, which we saw all over from last year. And we saw him get better and better as he got more and more comfortable. I think the first thing for him is understanding a new offense, right? You know, you hear it all the time when quarterbacks have to go from a new uh, playbook to a new playbook, you know, new verbiage, new verbiage. So I think for him, those first two games is just understanding offense. I think the last time he had an interview, he said that they've, you know, installed 80 to 85 percent of the playbook that he's and he's very comfortable with it. So that's great to hear from the young man. Um, I think with any other quarterback, you you want to learn things and, and take the next thing that, that help you slow down the game. Right. So for him, it's reading defenses, you know, pre and post snaps, understanding where your pressure is coming from, where the blitz is coming from. Um, maybe not having to force it every single time and taking the dump off and just getting the chunk yardage of, hey, I, you know, threw it in the backfield, but we got seven yards, you know. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is that him going pre and post snap, understanding defenses. So it slows down the game for him more. How is he not going to be a top five quarterback? Drops. You mentioned mm -hmm. it. And, you know, it's huge. We lost a lot of production. You lose Rambo. You lose Harley. Those are your top two, you know, receivers last year. We got so much production where, you know, Rambo was breaking records for a single season. Harley was breaking records for a career at University of Miami. So who's the guy? Who's the guy who's going to step up? Like you mentioned, Restrepo. That's his boy. That's his roommate. He's that tough nose. We call him a dog because no matter what, He's going he's gonna to catch it, and he's going to get the extra yardage. That's the guy you want in your corner, like when there's a brawl that's going to happen. Because we saw him at Deerfield. As soon as he stepped on campus, the first practice, I saw him, and I said, all right, got something with that young man. So I'm not worried about him. That's one of the guys I'm not worried about. Uh, I think Keyshawn Smith's going to take that next step. I think Keyshawn can be that Rambo-ish type. I'm not saying he's going to have over 1,000 yards, but I think he can take that step towards being it. He has all the tools. He's fast. He's smooth and out of the break. Um, when I was watching practice, he was very consistent. Frank Ladson, the Clemson transfer, can he stay healthy? I guess that's the biggest question for his whole entire Clemson career. You know, he's a five-star coming out of high school. He's got all the tools. He's a big body receiver. He's smooth. Um, when I was watching, those were the three most consistent guys that I saw. I expect those to be your starters when they happen. Now, very talented guys beneath them in the depth chart. You know, you got Jacoby George. Um, you, you, you got a, a, a bunch of guys that came in saying, okay, these are four-star type players. Can, can I ask you specifically about Colby Young? Uh, you know, because he's – it's hard to really know how good he is because he was playing Juco. So, it's yeah. like when you watch his film, it's like, well, is he just better than everyone because he's like physically bigger and more gifted than everyone? But he looks the part, Brian. I mean, he's six foot four. Long arms, good catch radius. I mean, he was primarily a deep threat at Juco, but he's got the body to be more of a con contested ball type. So what do you think? Yeah, when I saw him in practice, I only saw him at one practice, and I think it was one of his second or third practices. So maybe I didn't get to see a lot from him. But just, you know, his stature, he's a big kid. Um, I think right away what you could see him as is the, you know, a jump ball specialist. Maybe in the red zone, you know, going with some fade routes. Um, and maybe just being a nine-route guy to say, hey, Tyler needs some guy that I, I can trust and just toss it up to him, you know, from seeing him getting in out of his breaks and running his routes. I think he needs, you know, some work on that. Um, he wasn't as smooth as a Ladson, who was another big body receiver. Um, but again, you know, he's, he's younger than Ladson. It's going to take some work. And that's what coach Gattis is for is to help him out and take that next step. But I see him more as a jump ball receiver at first. Um, I don't see him as a guy that's going to be an every down, you know, you know, receiver. I see him more as a, a jump ball guy. And again, we need that. 
Because yeah. if you look for the last couple of years, who's a big receiver that we've had to say that, okay, we can count on him to say, it's a 50-50, go get the ball. You know, I, I don't think we've had that. And, you know, a name that you, they mentioned through practice as well is Michael Redding, I believe is a young man's name from IMG. Again, another former four-star guy that hasn't put it all together, but it seems like it's starting to click with him. And all the young guys say is that, you know, he's the guy we go to when we want to understand a play. Okay, so if he knows the playbook like the back of his hand, let's see that on the field. Let's see that production on the field and let's get another big body out there because it's college football. It's changed. These, you know, corners ain't five foot nine anymore. These guys are six foot two, six yeah. foot three corners that they can go up and get the ball and high point the ball. So we need those big bodies for Tyler to say, all right, I'm in trouble. I know I got Kobe out there. I know I got Frank Ladson out there. I'm just going to toss it up, and one of my guys is going to win. Because the one thing receivers love is what do they come back and say all the time to the huddle to the quarterback? Bro, toss it up. I got this. So I, I'm i eager to see those you know, three guys, those big body receivers, who can step up in the first two games because that's really what's going to dictate how the rotation is going to work in Texas A&M. That's where you're going to get that trust from Gaddis and the rest mm-hmm. of the coaches and those two first games, as far as the warm-up games, we can call them the practice games, however you want to say it, to see who that rotation is. Because that rotation is going to get tight when it comes to Texas A&M. It's only going to be guys that you trust on all positions. We're going to talk about the defense when we come back. And, man, there, there's especially juicy, juicy competitions in the defensive secondary and on the defensive line. Like, those, those specific spots are really deep. So make sure you keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Alex Dono, alongside former Miami Hurricane Brian Monroe, who's nice enough to take some time with us as, as we're five days away. Five days away it is game week. Miami, Bethune-Cookman, 3.30 p.m. at Hard Rock Stadium. I hope to see everybody out there. I'm going to be at the game. Are you going to be at the game, Brian? I, I don't miss a home game. That's one thing I don't do. I'll be at every single home game. I just I got to sneak into the, the Brian Monroe seats, right? You get uh, – <laughs> I, I got to get in there. They're not bad. They're, they do pretty well. A <laughs> little, little bit better. The press box is nice, but the Brian Monroe seats are, are even better. But I, I want to talk about this defense, Brian. First of all, uh, let's talk about the defensive line. Big injection of talent from the transfer portal. You know, guys that everyone talks about, you know, like uh, Akeem Mesidor from West Virginia, Mitchell Agude from UCLA. People are starting to talk more about Daryl Jackson from Maryland. Everyone who listens to the show knows that was my guy from day one. As soon as I saw his measurements, like <laughs> like the, the day that he transferred, I'm like, okay, let me, let me see what this guy weighed, 6'6", 300-plus pounds. I saw him do this ridiculous ver- – I've been a fan of his since day one. He's starting to get people's attention. Uh, Nigel Lee Kelly, a true freshman, is getting everyone's attention. Who stands out to you most on that D-line? And, like, can we even predict starters, or is it just rotation, rotation, rotation? Well, I think it's funny that you mentioned the Jackson kid. You know, first practice I went out there, I said, what the hell is that? Like, he's just physically imposing. I mean, and not sloppy. You know, you hear these numbers like, oh, 300 this, and you're like, oh, he's going to be fat. Like, he's not sloppy. He's he's put together, you know, so – It'll be it'll be interesting to see how he he comes along, but I mean, as a run stuffer to begin with, like that's just a man right there. That is literally a man. Which they call is, him the man child. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, just physically, he's he he he's the first guy. He's the first guy off the bus type of dude. That's what he is. Um, I mean, look, we've been waiting for a defensive line like this for a long time. As far as competition, 
and depth. You know, we mentioned it earlier in the show is depth is a huge thing when it comes to positions because one, it ups your level of competition and makes everybody better in practice. You're scared that if I take a playoff, if I lack on this play, if I mess up on my assignment, I'm not going to get back on the field because I know I got two dudes behind me that can take snaps away from me. You don't want guys to get comfortable. One thing you don't want to do is get guys comfortable. You want everybody almost walking on eggshells knowing that I got to go 120% because I just got a, you know five transfers in that are new to the team. And then all of a sudden, Coach Cristobal and Coach Chavea went to Las Vegas and got a four-star in Moss, went to Dillard and got uh, Kelly, another four-star on signing day, and flipped them and saying, listen, this room's not good enough. So if you think you're, you're a starter and you're that guy, no. I'm bringing all the competition to this, this room, and we're going to make it uh, a staple because guess what? Defensive line helps the back end. The back end helps the defensive line. Our weakest position was linebackers. If our defensive line can create holes for linebackers to go into or, you know, help stop the run in the backfield a lot more, it's going to help our weaker position. For me, I think this is the position you're going to get or, 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 or all over the depth chart mm -hmm. because they just have so much talent. I mean, for me, the practice I saw, the kid Mesador, like you mentioned, from West Virginia, wow. I mean, and they couldn't even run their offenses. I mean, he was in the backfield almost every play that he was playing. It was it was very special. I mean, you know, I saw a stat, something like they were talking about Willis, uh, Gerald Willis that he had in 17 where he had something like 31 pressures or 30 pressures from the defensive line position. And as a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, Mesador had like 33. And you're like, well, damn. We know what Willis looks like on that 2017 team. You're now telling me someone had more pressures than him. So I love bringing him in. I thought he was the biggest standout to me because it's going to help a kid like Leonard Taylor, who's this mm. all-world five-star that we're looking to take that next step. You know, he played a little bit last year. He led the team in, I think, tackles for losses on the sparing plays that he played. Um, so I think that competition helps him. Uh, you mentioned Nigel Kelly. I mean, another guy. And that's the thing where you change University of Miami that we haven't had in a long time to compete with championship level teams is the body type. He yeah. walks in as a true freshman through the door and you look up at him like, that's a freshman? Perfect. This is what you need to compete with the, the Worlds and the ACC. You know, Clemson probably has the best defensive line in college football this year. Yeah. And they have two or three first round picks just on the, on the defensive line. That's what Coach Cristobal is building towards. I'm bringing in bigger body guys that can come in as and compete as a freshman. Now, maybe you don't play as a freshman so much, but you're going to compete and you're going to push those guys that are seniors and juniors to say, well, I got this true freshman here that everyone's talking about. He's got this bend, his athletic ability, his motor. That's what you're going to need at every single um, level on this team. But defensive line right now, I think, is going to be your deepest position on any group that we have on this team. Um, I also like Jafar High Harvey. I mm -hmm. think with his motor alone, he's going to cause havoc because there was a play we were there. He was backside, play went front side. The ball's running down the field like 30 yards. He takes a dead sprint around from the quarterback and sprints and catches the running back all the way downfield. And I said, that's the type of effort you need because those are the guys that are going to come from the back end, punch out the ball, and create fumbles. Just from his, his um, engine alone, I think it's going to be disruptive. I just, there's just so many guys on that room that you can't hit on all of them. But I think 
it's going to be fun to watch a competition, what rotation they use. Uh, I, you know, they'll probably start off with a, a Chance Williams on one side, Harvey on the other side, or Gouda on one side, Harvey on the other side. Defensive tackles probably be your older guys will probably get to start. Um, and then you'll see that heavy rotation. And then you know, a guy that actually in spring, I think, stood out was Lichtenstein. The, um, yes. And from USC. And I think when you looked at him and reading his bio and watching his film, you thought, okay, here's a big guy that's going to be a run stuffer. But then all of a sudden he's getting to the quarterback. And I was like, all right, hey, the more big bodies we can have, the better we have. Because that's another room you want to keep him fresh. Because when it gets to the third quarter, you want to have another guy to say, all right, great. Go 90 miles an hour. Go get the quarterback. And, you know, you're going to have guys, you know, pushing each other and being hungry to get more sacks. And I think it's I think that room is going to help this defense tremendously. Got to ask you one more thing on the way out. I got to get your prediction. Season starting this week. What, what, what's the regular season record? I mean, hey, listen, I, 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 overall, I think that I'm still going to go with a nine and three record. Okay. I know everyone's talking about 10 and two, but I say it every single year. We lose a game that we should never lose. Right. Maybe that changes with this coaching staff because, you know, Cristobal had brought in a home run coaching staff with tons of knowledge, tons of experience, and it changes. But I think that you got two tough road games and you have that one game that we say we shouldn't lose that. But damn it, we do every year. So <laughs> prove me wrong again. You know, last year yeah. I went eight and four. And guess what? We went seven and five. Yeah. So I hope and I know that Coach Cristobal, you're going to take that next step. And I think that in very short term, you're going to see a different Miami Hurricanes football team, whether that's attitude, nastiness, the type of players that we bring in. I just think that it'll take a little time. You know, I, I don't I don't expect those crazy expectations just, you know, week one, day one, year one. Uh, give Chris Ball a little bit of time and, he, and he's going to get us there. This is a man you have to follow. Uh, let people know where to find you on social and let people know where to find all Canes radio because you do a fan, fantastic job on all your platforms. Appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, Instagram's B Monroe 15. Twitter is B underscore Monroe 15. Uh, we do an all Canes radio podcast and potentially might have some new podcasts and new things brewing in the near future. So, uh, you know, pay close attention. I think it's something that Canes will be excited about. I love it. Brian Monroe, thank you so much, man. And enjoy the rest of your game week. And I'll see you Saturday. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Love it. And guys, make sure you get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.